Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in to the Wednesday edition Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Insanity raining down everywhere. We are voices for sanity in an insane world. You've got us for the next three hours to pilot the ship. Last night, uh, Buck and I had the good fortune of going to dinner with Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. We had him on the show yesterday as well. Appreciate the governor's time. Good conversation. Good uh, time was had by all. But within the time while we were there eating dinner, Buck, I feel like Disney completely and totally lost its mind over the bill that had been signed in Florida to allow kindergartners, first graders, second graders, and third graders not to be instructed about sex-related issues. And Disney, we talked about earlier this week, came out with a statement slamming the state of Florida and saying they were going to try to repeal this bill. And Ron DeSantis obviously fired back about that yesterday. But I want to play some of these clips from high-ranking Disney executives. And I want everyone out there to think about this. The foremost company in the world when it comes to to entertaining children is in an uproar over a bill that does not allow kindergartners, first graders, second graders, or third graders to be taught about sex-related issues. By the way, the vast majority of American parents agree with this Florida bill. But, Buck, it really kind of gets summed up here. Disney has banned... For those of you, and I grew up going to Disney World. This is what my parents loved to do. We would stay in the campground at Fort Wilderness. For anybody out there who knows familiar with Disney World, that was where we went on our family vacations. We would stay in the campground. Uh, We we had an amazing time. As part of many of their celebrations, they often would say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, in an effort 
to speak to everyone who was inside of the park. These insane people at Disney have decided that using the words ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is not gender inclusive enough. And so they have banned the usage of ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls inside of the park. And I want to play some of this for you. Uh, First of all, here is Ron DeSantis, uh, who we had dinner with last night, what he said uh, about what Disney's response to this bill has been. Listen. I think they crossed the line. And, you know, people ask me, you know, kind of about, you know, their posture on the bill. I said, you know what? If we would have put in the bill that you were not allowed to have curriculum that discuss the oppression of the Uyghurs in China, Disney would have endorsed that in a second. And that's the hypocrisy of this. And, um, you know, we're going to make sure we're fighting back when people are threatening our parents and threatening our kids. Clay, can we just review what's happened in the last couple of weeks that's taken us to this point, just so everyone's clear? Yeah. LGBTQIA plus <laughs> activists. Good job and by that, by the way. Thank you. I mean, that I is the real... I don't think I could have nailed that. Yeah. That's the real acronym, okay? LGBTQIA+. They, activists, decided to rename a bill that is very clear in its language about not having uh, kindergarten through third grade students instructed in gender identity uh, and and sexuality and matters that that pertain to that. that. That is what it says. The activists renamed it the don't say gay bill for them all of a sudden not teaching kindergartners about gender identity and and sex let's just be honest about sex and and what you know procreation and all these things that is a, an assault according to the activists on the lgbtqia plus community and then we, we sat we sat there we said hold on a second it's one thing when disney stands up and says that they're going to virtue signal on this and the disney executives but this went and hat tip Chris Rufo, who finds so much of this stuff out there, the training about uh, critical race theory and the training in gender theory, gender identity at corporations. And if you go against this stuff, just so everybody understands, I mean, if you're a Disney employee, let's say, and you speak out against this, they'll call you a bigot. They'll probably fire you. Right. So this is the world we are living in now. Here is Disney president Carrie Burke who is saying that she wants... Now, she's the president of content, Clay. She gets to determine what gets made at Disney as a movie, as a TV show, saying that she wants more LGBTQIA plus characters up to 50% in the next year. Lead characters must be from that community. Play clip one. I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. One transgender child and one pansexual child and also as a leader. And that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them, to all of us. We, we, had, a, we had an open forum last week at 20th where Again, the home of of really incredible, groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? 
I, that can't be true. And I and I and I realized, oh, it it actually is true. So so this she's upset, madness. Clay. I mean, think about this. She's upset that there aren't enough. I'm. A, I remember when using the, the the word, you know, the Q word was you're not allowed. But now it's a word we do use because it's in the acronym. That's the Q in the LGBTQIA plus. So she says we're, we don't have enough queer leads. That's one thing. This is for Disney content, folks. Just yes. remember that for your kids. This is cartoons for your kids to watch mostly. And then on the other end of it, notice she starts out and says the parent of two queer children. I believe she says a transgender. And pansexual child. Now, maybe she means adult children. That's not clear, to be fair to what she says. How many people listening to this said pansexual? I have no other. I I know what a transgender person is. And I do think it's important. I would like to know how old her kids are. Because when she says kids, I mean, some people talk about their kids and they're 30, you know, like because they're still their kids. Uh, What is a pansexual? I, I legitimately, I'm not even kidding, Buck. I have no idea what a pansexual is. So, so I, I got, I'm getting attacked by the, by the, uh, by the blue haired masked in their Twitter photos, uh, you know, mafia of the left on this issue. Cause I just pointed out basically nobody knows what this is. It's a term that has almost never been used. They'll say it goes back to psychiatry and the like early mid 20th century pansexual. As opposed to bisexual, right? Bisexual is pretty straightforward. It's somebody who's attracted to men and women. To the extent that men and women still exist. Any, well, see, here's the thing. They've expanded their pansexual means, irrespective of whether somebody actually is gender conforming, i.e., if someone is not actually male or female somehow, you are still attracted to that person. You are attracted to all people, irrespective of where they fall on the dozens of gender and pronoun options that are out there now. So it's basically saying, I'm an all-of-the-above approach, including non-gender-conforming people. Now, to those listening to this saying, hold on a second, there really are, I mean, it's one thing to say you can be trans, right? Go from one gender to the other. But there really are actually two genders. There's male, there's female. Like This is a function of biology. Understand that not only are they fighting us on this or arguing, debating on this, this is the president of content at Disney, Clay, saying we need to teach this stuff through our content to your children. That is what the senior person in charge of this at Disney is saying to everyone across America who's hearing this right now. It's I mean, what I saw a quote from I'm not sure who said it, but I, I know that there are a lot of Disney people. And, and let's be clear, by the way, there are a lot of Disney employees who roundly reject probably the majority of them and maybe even the vast majority of them all of this right the idea that disney needs to be a hyper political organization that the president of disney needs to be saying that uh, her pansexual children need to be reflected in in cartoons that your kids are watching um this is by the way crazy and walt disney himself would be rolling over in his grave if he saw what his company was coming to represent now. And this is, I got to give credit. We had Jordan Peterson on a while ago. But what he said and and, and has continued to say for years has been so prescient because we got a lot of people who own businesses. When you let these diversity and inclusion imbeciles into your company, with the idea being that they are going to strengthen your company, you don't understand that you are effectively, this is the Trojan War. You are letting them into your company 
and they are going to destroy it and they are going to destroy you. This is this, yeah, is, this, this is, is what's essential. happening inside of Disney. I mean, it is this is the Trojan War. They are saying, hey, you've got to have more diversity and inclusion. It's the Trojan horse in the Trojan, Trojan horse. War. Yes. Yes. Uh, they are they are getting inside of uh, of of the companies and they are destroying them from the inside. And that's right. what's happening to Disney right now. The, their their goal, the D E and I, or is it D and sorry D and I rather diversity and inclusion uh, training and all of this and this ideology of the left that's being infused through corporations like Disney and Google and Facebook and Netflix Everywhere. and Goldman Sachs, by the way, and yes, you know everywhere. and Cravath. And, you know, that's a top law firm in New York, pretty famous law firm yes. for the legal folks out there. You know, these places are also the announce their pronouns places now in, in emails and, and in meetings. You know, my, you know, my name is John. My pronouns are he, him. This is what's going on all over the place. They don't see, they, they bring this in under the rubric of inclusiveness and everyone feeling comfortable and everyone being okay. And then when you say, hold on, I actually don't think that my my toddler should be watching a movie that is delving into or a cartoon that's delving into the pansexuality of a character. I don't think they're ready for that. You're a bigot. Maybe you should be fired. Maybe you should lose your job and be you know, run out of society because you're so hateful. That is their mentality. They're they're not looking to educate yes. people and bring other people in and have a convert. It's not about a conversation. It's a lecture. And that's what Ron DeSantis here in Florida has understood from the beginning of this fight. They're not looking to have everyone be treated. Everyone should be treated with dignity and decency. We're nice guys, Clay. We advocate for everybody to be nice and, and fair and kind to people. This is about, though, what is true, and it's about what's true for your kids. It's about what's true for your children. We need to play a couple more of these clips because I, I think parents out there are going to find these to be jaw-dropping. And, and by the way, this is the president of Disney. We're not talking about some random, yeah. uh, you know, low-level employee who's protesting in Disney and making her own or his own videos. We're talking about somebody who decides what shows are made at Disney. Can I just also say real quick, we'll come back to more of this, because there's folks you haven't even heard. There's more. I mean, we've got more people at Disney, more clips, more things. And we haven't even gotten to the Hunter Biden bombshell today, oh, yeah. which is essentially the Washington Post admitting Everything we've been telling you on this show and and before this show, even in the 2020 election, when Clay and I were doing our own radio shows, everything we've been telling the audience is true about it's Hunter Biden. True. It's all true. And the Washington Post is now saying, OK, yeah, I guess it's CNN, CNN, CNN even. I mean, I the hit, I, 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 we, we, we're going to dive look, into this, but at least, I'm, my steak is going to be great. I was going to say, at least when I go bankrupt buying your Kobe beef, it'll be because some measure of justice is being applied in this country. We'll see. But we'll, we'll come back into this. And we've got Hunter Biden stuff. We have a stacked show today. We're not going to have time to even hit everything we want. So please stay with us for uh, for each moment. Start your day off with a brand new coffee that Clay and I both love. I've been drinking it for years now. Clay is a huge fan. Black Rifle Coffee. It was founded by a U.S. military veteran. He wants to serve premium coffee to you, to people who love America, and send it right to your home. The entire Black Rifle Coffee team is passionate about the flavor and explosive roast profiles they've become known for. 
One look at their website by any coffee lover is a treat. The roasts and blends that Black Rifle Coffee offers are all so intriguing. That's where you'll buy their coffee online at their website, blackriflecoffee.com. You'll learn they only use the highest quality beans, and man, these flavors, these roasts are phenomenal. The best way to enjoy Black Rifle's freedom-filled coffee is by joining the Black Rifle Coffee Club. When you join the club and make your selection and purchase, your brew of choice is shipped free to your home or office and on your schedule. This is the coffee you need. Clay loves the cold brew espresso. I'm more of a hot coffee in the morning guy, but if you want ground bean, whole bean, K-cups, uh, coffee in a can, they've got you covered, and it'll come right to your door. You don't have to go to the store, and you can just keep on reordering or have it auto-ordered every month. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use code Clay and Buck at checkout. That gets you 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. And use that code Clay and Buck. Clay and Buck, all one word, B-U-C-K at the end. 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. We are going to be diving deep into the Hunter laptop and corruption situation in a few moments here. Because it turns out what we told you all along was true. The laptop was real. Hunter's corrupt. Millions of dollars flowing to the now president's son from China. We'll discuss how this was both the topic of enormous and intentional lies from the press to try to steer the election to Joe Biden, and then also what this could mean about corruption for the first family and the political liabilities this creates, and perhaps even, yes, Clay, criminal liabilities. Ah, that that steak's going to taste so good, Buck. (laughs) That attached to all of this. We will get to all of that in just a bit later this hour, but first we want to talk to you about... Teachers unions making policy for schools when it comes to COVID, which is so weird because teachers unions don't have any science expertise. So why would the CDC allow line by line edits of policy at the behest, at the direction of the teachers unions? One of the stalwarts in this fight for truth is with us now, our friend Carol Markowitz, columnist, From the New York Post and a new Florida resident, by the way, after leaving New York after decades. Carol, great to have you again. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So what what just lay it out for everybody. I know FoxNews.com had the the story up. Uh, They had the exclusive on this one. But there's now what we would call smoking gun email proof that Fauci, the CDC, etc., just took like line by line edits on (laughs) opening schools or not from teachers unions. Yeah. So the thing is that we've known all along that this was the case. It's just ever more evidence is coming up to further prove that that was the truth. Um, and again, you know, you and I, uh, the three of us have discussed this all along that we knew that Randy Weingarten sat down with the CDC and said that their uh, their move to move from six feet of distance to three feet of distance in classrooms was not going to work for her. And they're going to need to change the science to fit what her members want. So we've known this for a year. Um, I recall writing about this a year ago that this was going on. It's just that now we have more proof. Um, I don't know who this proof is going to change their mind. Uh, I think that the left really doesn't want to hear that the science is not the science and that Randy Weingarten gets to 
dictate scientific policy. But if it moves anybody over to the side of sanity, uh, I'm glad to see it. Yesterday, Carol, on our show, Ron DeSantis was a guest, and he said he hasn't met anyone who has relocated to Florida and regretted the decision. You, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm curious, I'm sure you as a yeah. mom have met at this point lots of other moms who have made yeah. that decision, lots of other people mm-hmm. who have relocated. What has your interactions with people who've relocated to Florida, partly to, uh, to ensure your kids have a normal school-going experience, what have those interactions been like? I, I'm telling you that the main complaint that I hear from people who have relocated is why didn't we do this sooner? Like, why did we wait until COVID forced us out? Why didn't we see that freedom and liberty was available in Florida all along, that the weather is amazing, that the p- people are normal? There's so much going for this state and has been for so long. But I didn't see it until COVID. I didn't, I didn't understand how much more I could have, how much more my family could have until COVID really forced me to see things that I couldn't unsee. I couldn't unsee that my New York neighbors didn't care that people who couldn't send their kids to private schools didn't have options. And that while their kids had pods or tutors, their neighbors who didn't have as much as them couldn't have those things. And in Florida, the governor made sure that all schools were open. He forced that issue. And he he did it at, at a political peril. It wasn't an obvious answer at the time. It wasn't like everybody was, oh, yeah, schools should open. It was like, oh, maybe schools shouldn't open. Um, and he, he put his political capital on the line, and he was right every step of the way, and I wish we had done this sooner. We're speaking to Carol Markowitz, columnist at the New York Post, and a stalwart in support of children being able to be in school, in person, without masks, all across the country, which I know for many people listening, Carol, they're like, yeah, of course. Like, that's the way it's been for a long time. (laughs) Not in New York State, not in California. There are a bunch of places where there's still a lot of lingering madness. Um, But I actually wanted to get your your sense of how this uh, the parental rights and education bill Mm -hmm is creating so much uh, tumult on the left. I mean, they're going all in the Oscars, obviously, which we all know what got the most attention there. But people were making comments about the don't say gay bill. And I'm sure you've seen this stuff that Chris Rufo has found and put out on the Internet of the Disney senior executive talking about the need to Mm -hmm. essentially push these agendas, like openly to push these agendas to children cartoons. I think the left is going to find out in this midterm. I'm hoping they'll find in this midterm that when you tell parents they're not allowed to be involved in their kids' education and that left-wing indoctrination is a necessary thing, uh, they're yeah. going to find there's a backlash to this. Yeah, absolutely. I have spoken to parents in Florida um, all across the political spectrum, and none of them think that kindergarten kindergartners, first graders, second graders, or third graders should be learning about sexual orientation or gender anything in school. And, and the thing is, this absolutely happens. Parents know that kids are being indoctrinated with this kind of stuff very early. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, uh, anything to do. It actually has nothing to do with gay at all. Um, there's absolutely nothing in the bill that says you can't say gay. So the fact that they're repeating gay uh, constantly makes no sense. It's really about introducing the concept of transgenderism to very small kids who are very susceptible to, you know, information from authority leaders around them. I've seen this with my own eyes. I've seen kids um, be told that they can be anything they want to be, and they they end up um, believing that they are the opposite gender just because somebody in an authority position uh, gave them that option.
kids are, are you know, they, they don't know a lot yet, and they absolutely pick up cues from their teachers and from their parents and people around them. Um, the, the funny thing about this whole thing is that Disney has taken a ridiculous stand that has nothing to do with their business model, and it's just every corporation that embraces wokeness in this way ends up hurting themselves. It's absurd that Disney would get involved in this. And those videos yesterday should give parents, I mean, a, a real scare about what their kids are watching on Disney programs. No doubt. Carol, uh, you work at the New York Post. We're going to dive into, in a big way, mm-hmm. this Hunter Biden story suddenly being validated. I think it was last week by the New York Times. Yeah. A couple of hours ago, the Washington Post suddenly comes out and says, oh, by the way, all the emails, the laptop story was real. CNN is now uh, covering it 18 months later. How mm-hmm. much validation do you take as an employee of the New York Post that your paper got all of this right 18 months yeah. ago. If there were real journalism justice, you'd get like the next year paper would and the writers who worked <laughs> on this, like the next 10 years worth of Pulitzers, right? Because yeah. they spoke truth to the face of power and it took a long time for it to be validated. What is the vibe in the New York Post newsroom as everyone else suddenly acknowledges, oh yeah, yeah those guys got it right? So it's funny because the New York Times story did not have any additional information. It was like we have now confirmed that the information that was available is correct. Um, I think the big story, and I I fully agree that the people at the New York Post have been validated. I think that the fact that the Twitter and Facebook had gotten so deeply involved in shutting down the story that you couldn't DM it to anybody. Um, It was really absurd. It should make people afraid of what um, is happening online and how much control these companies have over us. But I think the real question, and I, I'm sure that you both will be diving into this, is why now? Why are yep. all these or- news yep. organizations going into this now? And to, to me, I mean, it's a pretty easy answer that they don't want Biden to be the 2024 nominee. And this is a way to injure him um, without making it seem like they're really throwing anything at him. But, you know, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it. No, I, I think that's 100 percent right. Right, we, I mean, we were actually talking about this, Carol. Yes. It's like you were the third uh, on the conversation <laughs> we just had before the show. We we're talking about this on air because my, just so you know, and Clay and I are making a lot of jokes about we have an on-air bet um, uh, about whether or not there'll be charges against Hunter Biden. And, and my contention yeah. is not that Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden clearly broke the law, but mm-hmm. up until this point. I think it has been clear that the the apparatus, uh, whether it's you know Biden's DOJ, the libs that run prosecutors' offices, etc., uh, was willing to look the other way and or protect him. The same way they did Hillary. I mean, what Hillary did was recklessness under the statute of handling classified information. I had a TS clearance. Right. I know what this is like. She broke the law, full stop. And Comey just said no prosecutor would bring charges. That's just not true. They protected mm-hmm. her. I'm wondering now, and we'll be talking about this as to whether, to the point you make about Biden, whether Hunter Biden is no longer a made guy, so to speak. Remember in uh, <laughs> in The Departed, when if there are guys you can't hit, Hunter had right. kind of been for the lib corporate media a guy you can't hit. It starts mm-hmm. to feel like they've decided all of a sudden, no, he is a guy you can hit. Right. I think he's more like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. He's going to be <laughs> invited into a room to get made and get whacked instead. Very I, I well. I very good analogy. <laughs> he doesn't have that protection anymore. And, and, what, um, and I, I think they will go after him. And, and then then there's also our, our mutual. We're speaking to Carol Markowitz of the New York Post, New York Post columnist. Carol, there's Fauci. We're also going to be talking about him mm-hmm. in a little bit. He's still out there. And I mean, this guy is talking about going back to restrictions. And, yeah. and I really I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I get so mad 
and so out, it's just so angry about all this that it's almost mm-hmm. hard for me to verbalize my feelings about this guy and people that are still supporting him. Yeah. Do you think we've reached the point where a solid majority of the American people across party lines realize he is an evil little tyrant smurf and was wrong about everything or not? <laughs> No, across party lines, absolutely not. I think all the blue areas will listen to everything he says, follow all the directions to the letter, and put in the same uh, failed tactics that have not worked the whole time. I already see New York going back to masks. Um, I, I see it. I, I mean, it, it hasn't been mandated yet, but I already, like my kids, uh, old school in New York, the school bus is back to masking. It's crazy, Clay. I mean, I think she, I think she sees it too. I mean, I I see people walking around New York City where I live, and there are out there are outdoor maskers all over the place still. All over it's the never, place. It's never going to go away, and, and and unless the message is so crystal clear that there is a reckoning in the midterms. This is what we've been arguing, Buck. That we have to end up with a reckoning in this spot. I think we lost. Carol may have dropped off there, but she does fantastic work. Oh no! I'm uh, here. Oh, you still got you. Okay, I thought we give lost you the last word, Carol. Yeah. Do you think that kids are going to have to wear masks again in school if you were betting? Yes. If I was betting, and I am a betting woman, I would be betting that in blue areas, <laughs> masks will be introduced before the next school year. Oh, I just moms and dads out there with kids. I just can't imagine if you live in a blue state or blue city and your kids have to put masks back on. Carol, fantastic work Thank as always. So we appreciate much, you. Guys. Thanks, Carol. Thank you. Hillsdale College. Uh, they do so much more than provide a proper college education to the undergrads on their Michigan campus. A decade ago, they determined to use video streaming to provide you with online courses free of charge. Their charter is to educate. Their charter is to explain and defend our nation's freedoms. So while they provide a classic liberal arts education to an outstanding group of students, they also provide you and I with online education in the form of on-demand video courses. Each one of them is free just by signing up and watching them on your own schedule. The latest series, all about a hot topic in our country, citizenship. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. One more time, that's clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. The supply chain of smarts, sanity, and truth. Uninterrupted. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Welcome in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton show. I hope you guys are having fantastic starts to your hump days, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. We've had two really good hours of the program already want to reiterate for those of you who are just joining us now our thanks to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Buck and I had dinner with him last night in the governor's mansion in Tallahassee. Fantastic to discuss a variety of issues with him. He was on the show yesterday. Encourage you to go listen to that on the podcast. We talked a lot about the craziness that is coming out of Disney uh, in the wake of the parental rights bill that was passed in Florida and the massive overreaction including the labeling of that bill, Don't Say Gay. We've talked a lot about what's going on with Hunter Biden, the Washington Post, and CNN suddenly acknowledging that the laptop is real. 
and that Hunter Biden faces potentially significant criminal consequences as a result. Where are we headed in that regard? Uh, But we want to dive into a couple of stories here that are significant. One, we told you this was going to happen. Uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, Supreme Court nominee to replace Stephen Breyer, is going to be confirmed. That was a certainty as soon as Joe Manchin, Democratic governor, uh, Democratic senator from West Virginia, announced that he was going to be supporting her nomination. Then the question became how many Republicans might be willing to vote for her. Susan Collins, who uh, voted for Brett Kavanaugh, really helped to get Brett Kavanaugh across the finish line so that he is on the Supreme Court and then won an incredibly difficult re-election race that no one expected, by the way, her to win in the state of Maine, has become the first Republican to announce that she will be voting for Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Here is what Susan Collins just said in the last hour or so regarding that nomination. I met with her for an hour and a half before the hearing, watched much of the hearing, and then I met with her yesterday for an hour. At the conclusion of that extensive review and conversation, I came to the conclusion that she clearly had the credentials, the experience, the qualifications, and the integrity that I look for in a Supreme Court justice. So there is a Republican buck. You predicted three. I think I said Susan Collins to me was the most likely who potentially would flip. Mitt Romney, I would say, is the other one that is kind of there. And then there are other guys that are retiring that might decide to just go ahead. And there's no suspense here, really, but this will be treated as a major story. Yeah, I got to say, I'm surprised at actually how much the Republican senators were willing to push, probe, ask real questions. They... It's a rare moment, but see, I, I admit when I didn't get it exactly as as it was, uh, I had assumed they would go a little bit more gently on this nominee than they did. They pushed, and I think they at least created. Now, it doesn't change the outcome either way, so it's kind of easy to take a vote as a Republican. Well, what, what's the upside for most of the yes. GOP senators of voting in favor of this nominee? There's no upside. There's only downside, unless you're Susan Collins, unless you're a so-called moderate Republican who's uh, maybe up for a tough re-election fight, in which case you you have to look at the political calculations involved here. But the GOP did actually make it easier for those votes to be cast against this nominee insofar as they raised real questions about uh, about judgment and about credibility on certain issues at, when it comes to jurisprudence, specifically on the uh, the child porn sentencing and and a few other areas uh, where they press this nominee uh, pretty hard. I was surprised. Uh, I was surprised at it. Quite honestly, I thought they would. I thought it would be a little bit more like Amy Coney Barrett, where you could tell the left wanted to land something, but they couldn't really come up with it, and so they had to just sort of allow it to go through. Uh, I mean, the Democrat senators this time around, the GOP, they they put up something of a fight. I mean, you could say it was all for show, but they put up something of a fight. I believe we have uh, now let's pivot a bit. Dr. Fauci is back out and he is now circ- circling around. We're going to play his cuts in a minute, but Joe Biden has just spoken. And uh, I want to they've announced, by the way, a fourth booster shot 
for people who are 50 or over. So you're up to four shots now in the last year if you are keeping track of all that. And by the way, encourage continued encouragement to people who are senior citizens, to people who are not healthy. Those shots, I do believe, are helpful to you. If you are relatively young, if you are relatively healthy, makes absolutely no sense for you to be concerned about the COVID shot based on the data. Uh, But uh, here is Joe Biden. Look, Buck, we've been arguing about this. Not arguing, discussing. But arguing as if we were Democrats. What is the pitch that Joe Biden is going to make to try to forestall the red wave that is potentially going to sweep over this country, we believe, in November? Really, there's not much out there he can argue. COVID, he is going to try to argue, and I don't know if the the, the data is going to allow him to do it, Buck, but he's going to try to argue that he has been successful in beating COVID. Here is Joe Biden just a few minutes ago saying COVID no longer controls our lives. Because of the strategy we executed over the past year, on vaccinations, testing, treatments, and more. We're now in a new moment in this pandemic. Does not mean that COVID-19 is over. It means that COVID-19 no longer controls our lives. That's what it means. Cases are ticking up as we thought they might. But now, thanks to the foundation we've laid, America has the tools to protect people, all people. And you know, as we've done from day one, my administration is making it easier than ever for Americans to access these tools. I'm just going to say no. No, this is not what was promised, Clay. Yeah. Remember, it was very clear. We heard it. It was really the primary rallying cry other than, no joke, you know, a bunch of mumbling from Biden. The primary rallying cry of the Biden candidacy was, I'm not going to shut down the economy I'm going to shut down the virus. And now what we see more than a year into it is Biden saying, oh, well, we have the tools to better manage the forever reality of COVID circulating in our population. So let's just start with this is a fail based upon the promise that Joe Biden made. Now, you and I expected this failure, but it is a failure based upon the promise that he made to voters And there's still a lot, and we're going to be talking to people that have been right on this, whether it's Dr. Marty McCary or our friend Alex Berenson or others in the days ahead. They just think they're going to keep rolling out these shots and everyone's going to just keep getting them. And, you know, we're not done with vaccine passports everywhere. We're not done with these things. It is just a pause. And that's why Biden's saying we have the tools now. They're trying to, he is trying to normalize in the conversation this call it the apparatus of COVID compliance, which is just going to be something that we're expected to live with, whether it's masking on the planes or getting the shot every fall and getting the card to say you can go into a restaurant and maybe getting a booster and all this stuff. This fight we told you isn't over, and you're seeing right now they're getting ready for it again. What about the winter of death ending and nobody even calling Joe Biden on this? Remember Buck in December when he put out the official statement and said, if you're unvaccinated, it's going to be a winter of death. And now we're into spring, thankfully. And Joe Biden is just trying to pitch, hey, we beat COVID. Hey, we're fine. Um, I don't think it's going to register with the American public. And also, speaking of which, how about Dr. Fauci? How about Dr. Fauci getting interviewed by the BBC, Buck? And being asked about whether or not lockdowns had any sort of uh, positive impact. And Fauci now has moved on from, and I think this is significant, 
even if he's not acknowledging the pivot, for a long time, the lockdowners out there, Buck, they argued, oh my goodness, if we hadn't locked down, millions of people would have died. Now they're not even willing to acknowledge that the lockdown was ever the right decision. I believe we have audio. Do we have audio? Yeah, about well, he, he's asked about assessing yeah, this, and it turns out it's a little more complicated than that, he says. Play it. I'm interested in your reluctance to use the word lockdown. Do you think two years on that they were worth it or were they too severe? You know, I don't think we're ever going to be able to determine what the right balance is. I think the restrictions, if you want to use that word, which I tend to shy away from lockdown, this certainly prevented a lot of infections, prevented a lot of hospitalizations and prevented a lot of deaths. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, when you do have that kind of restriction on society, there are unintended negative consequences, particularly in children who are not allowed to go to school, in the psychological and mental health aspects it has on children, in the economic stress that it puts on society in general, on individual families. Obviously, those are negative consequences that are unintended Obviously, because I think this is the first time he's ever even mentioned the trade-offs. I've never heard him say, obviously, there are bad things that will happen from this. And notice he can't even help himself. The little health Stalinist knows that the propaganda is the primary purpose of his appearances on television. So he says, I don't like the term restrictions. What the hell do you call limiting? Yeah. How many people can be in a bar, you little idiot? What what do you call making people mask up between bites on planes? You know, this is why he loved that term, mitigation, for so long. And people after a while were like, wait, why? First of all, you're not even mitigating anything. And the biggest contention, I think, is exactly that, where he says there's no doubt that a lot of cases were prevented and a lot of lives were saved. I don't saved buy that by, at all. By lockdowns? There's yeah. actually nothing but doubt. He yes. has no proof, no evidence, no data whatsoever to support his point of view. So really what you have is there's a little light bulb going off over Fauci's head where it's like, oh my God, there's all this horrible stuff that happened that I made people do by pretending I had the answers. And there was no upside, only downside, only misery and death and destruction in addition to that created by the virus. And what is interesting to me about this answer, you and I have been talking about, hey, in the years ahead, how are we going to have a reckoning over the disastrous decision to lock down the country? And one answer is, well, the midterms. In November, all of you listening have to go out and vote. Everybody you know you have to convince to go vote. There has to be significant consequences for everyone who advocated for lockdowns, who kept your kids out of school, who kept your kids in masks, who didn't allow your business to be run. That was a failure of American public policy, the biggest failure of American public policy in many of our lives, certainly since Vietnam. And I think, honestly, at this point, it's, it's, it's worse than Vietnam, which is meaning for most of the 20th century, and the 21st century now, we've never made a worse public policy decision. But, Buck, what I find interesting about that answer is he said we'll never know for sure. He's not even trying to argue in favor of lockdowns already. He is implicitly acknowledging that they didn't make sense when he is the foremost proponent of lockdowns. And what I found so significant about that clip, Buck, is he's not even trying to argue that we had to do it anymore which is the first step towards 
what is eventually going to happen, what I've been predicting, I know we've been talking about this, the first thing that happens is people who were the biggest proponent of lockdowns start to say, well, we'll never really know whether it was the right choice. When you stop arguing it was the right choice, you are implicitly acknowledging it was the wrong choice, and you're trying to jump off uh, right. jump off the and, lockdown well, train. But, and the reason they do that is to create the distance from it. So then the switch is, it was a consensus. I, I didn't push That's, for lockdowns. That, right. It was a conversation. Right. It was Individual the Individual responsibility is taken away right. as the next step. And you say, well, we couldn't, we, we had so much uncertainty, we had no other options. And then eventually we will cycle to, we got it right. all wrong. But right. I don't know how long it's going to take just, us to just, get there. But this is significant. There's no defense of lockdowns anymore. It's a committee of one making these decisions at the NIH, folks. Just so you know, anybody who's worked over there, anybody who actually has any insider access will tell you whatever Fauci decided, they all just nodded their heads. Nobody was going to cross him because he was on the speed dial of every cable channel except for one in America, and we all know why. So it wasn't it wasn't this collective, this guy to do his part for the Democrat apparatus pushed us into these disastrous policies and then allowed so and then called for social media to shut down debate of it. We're this this fight is not over and we will come back to this. We will get into this more big news, Buck. Wall Street Journal breaking news. U.S. and we'll talk about this when we come back because it's going to be significant. The Biden administration is officially lifting Title 42 at the border. Oh, boy. News has broken. Wall Street Journal, pandemic era, era, era policy will be ended on May 23rd. So the border, to the extent it's not already open, it's about to be Get ready. free reign. Yeah. Anybody can come through. Lawlessness and mayhem at the southern border and the Biden administration. Oh, my. We're gonna, we'll dive into this. Stay with us. The words written by our nation's founders about the value of our personal freedoms have certainly stood the test of time. No wonder those words have been carefully curated all these years through generations of Americans. They resonate with us, expressions of liberty and personal choice. We experience it today differently than they did, what with mask mandates, big tech censorship, and a constantly growing government. We take on each of these adversities, fighting back in the proper ways. The liberal response to adversity is always to strike down individual liberty and implement more government. So we joined AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has worked tirelessly to push back against the left. You can tell that AMAC vows to remain steadfast through the midterms and beyond. AMAC also offers members exclusive benefits that save you money, a great magazine, and most importantly, a strong conservative voice on Capitol Hill. Stand with AMAC and us by joining today at amac.us slash freedom. That's A-M-A-C dot us slash freedom join amac today welcome back into clay and buck closing up the shop today man parting is such sweet sorrow folks but we will be with you tomorrow we certainly look forward to that if you missed any part of what we're talking about here please go back to the podcast of the clay and buck show iHeart app, a, bla- a great place to get it. You can download it free, listen to all kinds of stuff there, music and, uh, and other things. So please do check out the iHeart app. And I want to know, we just had uh, we just had Stephen Colbert call for the slap, slap. exception yes. for, for a journalist, 
uh, Ducey. Because remember, the libs don't want anybody to ask real questions of Biden. They, they don't want this. This bothers them. They pretend they want journalism. They actually don't want journalism. Democrats don't want that. And, and then there was this, which I think people were saying felt almost like John Stewart. Now, now John Stewart has, has been a, a propagandist for the left for a very long time. I mean, he is a, a huge lib and it really kind of created an art form or built this art form of comedy political commentary as a form of propaganda where you don't have to really answer for what you say because ha 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 man i'm just making jokes it's puppets on this show before i come on the air you know because he had the crank ganker show whatever um that's that's the way that he was doing things for a long time. And now he's kind of back, I guess, with an Apple Plus. Did you see some of this, Clay? The Apple yeah, Plus Yeah, I saw show? the clips. I don't know how to... It's getting to the point now, Buck, where I really feel like an old man. I can't sometimes find shows anymore, right? Like, I've got... I feel like we've got every different service we're signed up for, but there's so many different places... I can't even find things. So I don't even know how to find the Jon Stewart show, but I've seen the clips. Here's what he says about, uh, well... You know, this is the, there's a whole the problem with white people is, of course, John Stewart's white. But the problem with yes. which plenty of white liberals love to do this whole I'm fighting against white supremacy thing. It's virtue signaling. It's pathetic. That's what they do. Um, but here you go. John Stewart showing how wokeness doesn't even really make sense. And after you're a multimillionaire benefiting from the system, tens of millions of dollars paid to be a Democrat shill. You go on this show now and say the following. Play clip nine. I think the conversation is then this. We have an awful history. Its, its remnants are still We also today. have a great history, John. Say it again. We also have a great history. But I think you're minimizing it. You're suggesting that because I think by of, calling yeah. today white supremacy, you are minimizing actual white supremacy. We have an incredible diversity. To condemn all American it's history not, as I, racist. I, I disagree that they're generalizing all white people. The systems that were racist that were put in place. That, systems. Yes. The systems that were put in place. I'd like you to explain exactly what they are. Well, I thought I explained it earlier about the GI Bill and about what, the that, New that's Deal. Very that's one thing. I want to know about these systems. I just explained it. Housing. That's food, one. And I've agreed that. Andrew, you're not living on the same planet we are honestly i really don't think you are I think you are not living i think you are not living in the planet most americans are by the way i mean andrew sullivan of course i think is, is speaking sense here this whole this this obsession with talking about how white supremacist america is today it, it never actually sustains itself as an argument when it's subjected to any criticism. And then you do what, what John Stewart does. You start cursing and, oh, you just don't you just don't want to have a conversation. You don't want to have a conversation about racism. The number one response that I would have for anybody out there that finds themselves in these conversations like John Stewart, you know, where there is a white liberal that wants to tell you that America is an awful place and rooted in white supremacy. Just say what is true. America does not have a perfect history. No person or entity has a perfect history, right? Let's be clear. But if America was a fundamentally white supremacist nation today, how do Asian men make more money than anybody else in the country? This would be a huge failure of white supremacy, right? That we would allow Asian minorities, men, to arrive in this country and earn more than anyone else, any other ethnic group, which is true. And there isn't a response, right? They don't have a response because that is tangible evidence of the fact that America is not 
a white supremacist country because Asian people, Asian men in particular, in this modern era, are more successful economically than any group of people in America. Clay, Nigerian immigrants to America make more per capita than uh, white Americans born in this country. Nigerian immigrants. So again, a, a, a fascinating failure of the, quote, white supremacist system that we're all supposed to be living in all the time. But this has become really a religious obsession for the left. I mean, this is their their worldview is that we are all soaked in this country in this constant white supremacy. And it's something we're going to have to continue to dissect and pull apart and and address because well, what is the alternative? We're all supposed to sit here and you're supposed to apologize. Apologize to whom and for what? What is the answer? The alternative is what they're trying to create, I really believe this, is a system whereby you destroy the entire foundation of America. The Constitution is not legitimate because there were white supremacists, there were slave owners who wrote it, the Declaration of Independence. All of it, the foundational documents of our country, are, in their view, so stained by uh, historical neglect and error as it pertains to race that they shouldn't exist anymore. They want to destroy the foundation of this country. Mm. I really do believe that's the essence of what they're attempting. And we want to defend the foundation and the greatness <laughs> yes. of this country and save the country as much as possible. And all of you listening are helping us. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. Exploreminnesota.com backslash live.